Hi, everybody. Welcome to Taiwan Talk. I'm Alex Lewis. This week, we speak to Matt Bronsel and Sam Yarbs about stand-up comedy. Uh, Matt Bronsel was one of the uh, earlier stand-up comics here in Taiwan, and Sam is a current um, stand-up comedian who doesn't perform here. He runs 2-3 Comedy Club here in Taipei, and he performs in Hong Kong, Singapore, uh, Thailand, etc. Uh, we talked to them about stand-up comedy because the stand-up comedy scene here in Taiwan uh, is growing. I myself am a big fan of stand-up comedy, and I think it's really interesting to see how it's being received here in Taiwan. Uh, so without further ado, um, here's my conversation with Matt and Sam. I'm here with uh, Matt and Sam. Could you tell me a little bit about yourselves? Okay. Well, my name is Matt Bronsel. I'm from America. I did some stand-up comedy in America before moving to Taiwan, and I moved to Taiwan in 2006 and have been enjoying performing since then. Awesome. My name is Sam Yarbs. Uh, I live here in Taipei. I'm also from America. Uh, I run 2-3 Comedy, which is a, a group here in Taiwan that organizes open mics and shows, uh, and I've been here in Taipei for about one year, previously in Kaohsiung, uh, doing comedy around the island. Okay, Sam, can you tell me a little bit about 2-3 Comedy, uh, how you started that? Um, how you started 2-3 Comedy, and what made you think it was what people wanted here? Absolutely. Well, I've been living in Kaohsiung for about three years previously. Uh, my friend and I have been doing shows around the island, and we definitely felt that there was uh, a great response from a lot of the, uh, the expat community and the local uh, Taiwanese community for stand-up comedy. So moving to Taipei, I wanted to... My, my goal was really to create a place where we had a, a consistent open mic, a weekly open mic where new comics could come out and perform. People could come out and check out uh, comedy for free. Uh, that's been one of the models that we do for our open mic, and uh, and it's been great. It's been fantastic in the year. Um, we've had a lot of new comics coming up, and so it's been a lot really exciting doing it here in Taipei. Okay, so you started in Kaohsiung. Yes, sir. Um, it used to be K-hole comedy, but that yeah, that doesn't work in Taipei. Yeah, we're more subtle here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, two three. <laughs> yeah, two three is yeah. nice. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. It's clean. Okay. We just didn't want to be like stinky tofu comedy. You know, like everywhere you know, yeah. like you around Asia, every place is like, yeah, it's like fried rice comedy or something like that, wonton soup comedy. It's like, no, yeah. let's, I know we're in Asia, but come on, let's, let's yeah. be professional. And yeah. uh yeah. Yeah, something, something sorry, just came to me. I'd be remiss if I hadn't said it before. I mentioned uh, starting 2-3 Comedy. I should mention that I started it with a, with a partner, uh, a woman named Meg, Meg Anderson. Uh, she was with me starting 2-3. She was, like, really the driving force behind trying to, like, professionalize the open mics that we had, like, really being, like... Uh, you know, you have to be there every week if you want to get on shows and things like that. She was fantastic for organizing. She was way better at all that stuff than me. Also a hilarious comic and probably the best improviser yeah. in Taiwan. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, she's living in Bangkok now uh, and is still um, involved in comedy. She just made the finals of the Magners International Comedy Festival uh, and the final heat in Bangkok. Uh, I heard she had a great set there. I'm excited to, uh, to see her in July. So she's running shows, living in Bangkok, still heavily involved in improv. And I believe she's appearing in a place. So I just didn't want to um, – I, I realized I made, might have made 2-3 sound like my own thing, but I definitely – she was here for the first six months of that. And so Meg Anderson was a huge part of, uh, of the growth of comedy in Taipei that we've seen. And is, do you think comedy is appreciated here, Matt? I, I do. Um, and I think it's changed a lot since I've come here. When I first came here, most of the comedy you would see in the clubs – it's still like this, I think. But a lot of it was just slapstick kind of sketch comedy um, that's going on. And when I first came, there was not a lot of stand-up comedy, and it seems like the foreigners sort of brought that in because the Taiwanese didn't really recognize it as far as what it was. And now, even now, there's a lot more stand-up comedy coming from the Taiwanese side. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the the like the, the Chinese humor and the and the Taiwanese humor has a different background. They come from like the the it's called like the crosstalk shows. I don't know if you're familiar with that style, where it's like two performers on stage. It's very slapstick, over the top. Uh, you might see some of it today in the TV shows on Taiwan, where they have the sound effects off board, you know, the slide whistles and things like that. And that was kind of the background. But what we had was all these. Uh, Taiwanese kids, and I think one of the biggest things was Netflix and YouTube. Was these kids were watching all these specials uh, and, and watching everyone. They know they know Louis C.K. They know Chris Rock. They know Dave Chappelle. And they and when they find out, wait, I can see that here in Taipei. They get excited by that, and so that started to uh, kind of snowball. And for the last year, it's been it's just been building. And uh, yeah, it's great. Okay, so Sam, you think uh, just being able to access like comedy elsewhere, you know, from the United States and stuff, yeah. you think that uh, Taiwanese people have become more savvy to open mic or you know just stand up comedy absolutely they 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 get the idea of what of what uh, stand up comedy is talk a show you know this one guy on stage with a mic or guy or girl going up there uh you know generating ideas talking about current events or different topics and things like that and they they're they're informed already they go to the show not knowing they go to the show knowing what it's going to be they understand the like, the art form if you will like they understand it and they have a background from it and um the fact that they can see it live here they're blown away by that it's cool uh, Matt, so you came before Netflix and YouTube and all yes, that stuff. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Laid the ground. I, I, was, I, I came in the MySpace days of comedy. So. <laughs> okay, so when you came, like, you, how did you find uh, you had to adjust or teach them what stand-up comedy was? Uh, could you talk about, a little bit about that? Well, I, I came, I, I had done stand-up comedy in Cincinnati, my hometown before. And I came here and I tried to do the same set that I had done in Cincinnati and it just didn't work. You know, none of the references were even caught um, or understood, so I, I had to sort of adjust and work around my work my material into the life that I live now in Taiwan, and make it relevant to what people understand here. Um, so I started with, of course, my job of teaching English, and you know, wrote about that, and then just kind of moved out into more cultural things, and especially you know, dating and marriage now, and things along those lines. And so, how big was the circuit back then? Uh, not not just the circuit, maybe like the crowds and how many performers. What are we talking about in terms of size? Uh, the audience would be. It was at the old comedy club. There were the comedy club had moved a few times, but it was at the Fritz Comedy Club, and there may be about fifty or sixty people in the audience. And what year is this? Two thousand six. Two thousand seven. Yeah, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. I, I moved here in two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is about two thousand six or two thousand seven, and. Um, the audience was really receptive to it. The The group itself, there was um, one guy, Dan Mechanic, who had worked in America, and um, he'd moved back. There was Hartley Poole. Um, he was from England, and he had done – he had incorporated a lot of sketch stuff into his work as well. Um, and then there was another guy, Kurt, who ran some shows, and he had a lot of people that worked there. And a lot of the people who are still doing it are still around in Taiwan. So um, it's great to see them all the time. But a lot of the people that started have just moved away from doing the stand-up comedy. And Sam, how's the scene now? Like how many, uh, I guess, like comedy like clubs are there and how's the audience? Uh, there's quite a few venues. Uh, there's, there is no uh, dedicated comedy club. Uh, actually, that's not true. I'm sorry. There is a place uh, on, on Badalu that uh, is called Comedy Base, but that one they're exclusively doing Mandarin uh, stand-up, which is something I think we should talk about later because that's a really exciting development. Uh, there, there, is, Chang's place. there is and one in Taichung. Yeah, yeah, there is one dedicated comedy club the in Taichung. The Laugh House in Taichung. And uh, we're going to be down there uh, with Ed Hill in, uh, in May uh, coming right. in. Over, so that should be a really fun show. Uh, I think the biggest change has been kind of uh, what kind of Matt uh, touched on right there is that a lot of the people who first started it laid the groundwork for what we're doing now. They were 
brought in the venues, they brought in the audience, they trained people uh, and, and set people's expectations. Uh, but at the, same, at the same time, a lot of people who started earlier were uh, looking at it as a hobby. Uh, yes. You know? And absolutely. And to, that's kind of the transition we're, see, we're making now. Like, uh, you know, like that we're, we're moving from the people who are hobbyists and the people who I find most exciting are these young, like Taiwanese kids who like dropped out of university because they <laughs> want to do stand up for a year. Like we've got people like that in our scene. I like, those are the ones who are going to be the stand up success stories down the road. You know, yeah. these kids who are just like, they don't look at it as a hobby. They, this is what their dream, you know, they're 19, 20, and this is what they want to do. Uh, so those kids are exciting. And so I think the probably the, the biggest change has been in the last year is having consistent open mic where we have an opportunity for comics to get on stage every single week and practice jokes. Every single week, if you're doing a weekend show, you can get on stage eight to ten times a month here. Whereas a year ago in Taipei, you might have been doing once a month, maybe maybe twice on a, on a good month or something like that with no open mics. So just the, the, the repetitions, the comfortableness in front of the crowd. Um, it's still nothing compared to a place like uh, even like a Shanghai or Hong Kong where there's more opportunities for stage time. As to say nothing of New York where a hungry comic can get up five times a night or whatever. You know, they can do, they can do the work of a month in a, in a week over there. But, um, but it's, it's still it's the trajectory that you see, you know, yeah. the opportunities for stage time. Uh, and these and these kids are taking advantage of it. They're out there every week grinding and writing new jokes and doing it. So that's awesome to see. Yeah, we had stage time about once every three months, and it was the show, <laughs> you know, when I yeah. started. So it, it's really yeah. great to see that growth in that area. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so you just mentioned like Shanghai and Hong Kong. How does Taipei or Taiwan stack up um, in terms of the comedy scene? Well, we are smaller. Uh, <laughs> Very we are, small. We are yeah. smaller. Yeah, regionally, there's uh, that's one of the exciting things over the last few years as well, and I'm, I'm sure something that you've witnessed, Matt, over the time that you've been here, is the rise of, of, of stand-up regionally. Um, if you look at places like uh, in Shanghai, Kung Fu Comedy, in uh, Hong Kong, Takeout Comedy, those are two uh, like world-class comedy clubs that are right here uh, in Asia, easily accessible. Singapore, Comedy Masala is an amazing room down in Singapore. The Philippines, obviously, has a huge English-language scene. Um, Malaysia, they have Crack House, Japan, South Korea. It goes on and on on all these places. And what happens is you get some really uh, quality talent who come through and then it becomes this kind of like mini regional hub where if you're already in Shanghai, like why not pop over to Hong Kong? Why not go to Singapore? And so that was one of the goals with 2-3 Comedy is to put Taipei on that map, uh, to put them, you know, why not do a weekend in Taipei? You're already over here. Add another country uh, to your list uh, and come and see and come and bring that. And then our comics grow from that, right? They see these guys who are touring, who are doing it full professional. Uh, and, and that's like the most exciting thing. You know, they get to open for these guys. It's crazy. So, um, so that's kind of the goal. That's my goal for the next year is to kind of move towards uh, really establishing Taipei on the regional scene and growing because right now we're not <laughs> right now no, we're, we're just, still we're at the bottom. <laughs> we catch people if they got like an awkward layover for sure, whatever yeah. like that. But you know, it's, it's just not, um, we're not there in terms of the facilities and everything like that. And, and so. we don't have them. I mean, we don't have the audience growth as like the other cities do. I mean, we, oh. we don't have the draw to be able to have the money to bring in these top names quite as often as we would like to, yeah. but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll work on it on the Mandarin comedy side. Yeah. Is that uh is that you know boosting as well? Is that like growing very fast? Absolutely. Or? At two three, we just started doing a uh, a Mandarin open mic. This uh, every Thursday night at nine p.m. Uh, the bar is called Twenty Three Public. Two three comedies at Twenty Three Public. That should be pretty easy. Uh, and it's every Thursday nine p.m. And that has been just jammed. It's been standing room only every night that we've done it so far. About fifteen comics signed up all the time. Um, there's also a Mandarin open mic over at Comedy Base. I think Socio runs his at eight p.m. Uh, that's the Mandarin Comedy Club. So that's two open mics a week for Mandarin 
and stand up, uh, and they have their own groups that run their shows. But we're hoping to start some two, three Mandarin shows in the near future as well. And I'd be remiss at this point if talking about the growth of Mandarin comedy without bringing up um, probably Taipei's and Taiwan's biggest success story as a comedian, a young man named Brian Sung. Uh, Brian Sung, uh, as a young man, grew up in Taipei, local here. Uh, and then I believe was educated in the U.S., went to school there, speaks fluent English and Mandarin. Uh, he had a video a while back that went pretty viral, like got over like 3 million views, and his fan page now is blowing up. It's Stand Up Brian on um, on Facebook. I mean, this kid's like at our show, it's like people are, there's a line to pose for selfies with this kid. Like he's really like, he's taken off. He's really doing it. And he's hilarious and super humble and works super hard. So that's a name to, to watch out for. Uh, and he's, been, he's put that Mandarin scene kind of on his back and is, uh, and is really lifting it up. And the comedy club in Taichung is also growing as well. I, I, I've got to throw that out there because it's not just Taipei. They're, they've just started doing improv classes for people, which is different from stand-up, of course. Um, but they're doing a lot of stand-up comedy as well down there. So it, it's, it's, it seems to be growing really well. And it, mm. if I look at over the last 10 years, it seems like the last two or three years is when it really started to take yeah. off and hit. Taijung Laugh House, May 24th, Ed Hill. Get your tickets on AccuCast. <laughs> what kind of humor is most popular here? Because, I mean, there's, you know, there's humor for everybody. Is it clean? Is it a little bit more uh, acerbic? Uh, what's, uh, what's the tone? Of oh. course, of course, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. general, generally speaking, generally speaking. I, I think people tend to prefer clean. I, I think they're, they're, they've seen a lot of the not clean stuff and just it doesn't quite resonate as well, especially with the Taiwanese audience. Um, that's just been my experience, at least. You can get, you could push it edges, get a little bit edgy with it, but they just don't respond as well to people getting up there and saying a whole bunch of cuss words or anything yeah, like that. Definitely. Um, and I think one thing, I mean, to connect with the audience, and this is true of any like regional area, anywhere you go, but um, you gotta you gotta have something that relates to the Taiwanese culture. You gotta talk oh, yeah. about stuff that's that's unique to Taiwan, and um, and you gotta be a little bit careful about that about. Um, People are really. This is a really proud country, man. People are really proud of Taiwan stuff, and uh, I tell that to visiting comics. Like, don't you know? Don't slag on Taiwan. Don't don't slag on the stuff here, and especially not the food. Don't say anything <laughs> if, if you don't like the food. Just shut up. Don't talk about that yeah. because they will they will turn the audience against you like that, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. they're 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 proud. Uh, uh, and if you can find a way to connect and have some observations about that, uh, and being a foreigner obviously is a bit of a unique perspective. Uh, I think that that. Um, that's always going to connect with the audience. Okay, that still goes over well because I feel. Yeah, my next question was like, how do foreigners fare if they if they can't talk about you know like anything that's like problems within Taiwan, right? Like mm-hmm. a foreigner can't talk about you know China and Taiwan and you know like what mm-hmm. Taiwan should do and et cetera, et cetera. I think you can. I, I, I mean, yeah. uh, Taiwanese will appreciate political stuff as long as it's smart. I, I've noticed that. Yeah, um, they 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 have no problem with. Especially the Taiwan-China relations, because most of your audience is pretty much on the same side with that, I think. Yeah. Um, so they, they really do appreciate someone who at least comes with it with an understanding of what the actual issue is. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just mm-hmm. some foreigner just going, oh, this whole Taiwan-China thing is stupid, you know, they won't really be interested in that. Yeah. But if it's someone who, comes at, who, att- who attacks it smart and who has a very interesting way to look at things or say things mm-hmm. – the Taiwanese people, I think, respond well to that. 
Yeah, and if you can be self-deprecating, like if you can be self-deprecating at first about like you know going out like oh like you know my Chinese is so bad blah 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 and put it on you, then the audience will will give you leeway to come back and like you know at the same time like you guys do this and that's ridiculous you know so the, <laughs> they'll they'll give you that leeway. But if you just come out and like start blasting Taiwan, you know then the audience is gonna be against you immediately. But if you can show that you know yeah I'm the idiot I'm the one who's wrong here, but at the same time like let's look at it this way like mm-hmm. uh, I think the audience can be really receptive to that. They're definitely not like immune to like laughing at themselves so yeah and i feel like it's kind of this that, that's the same with it with anywhere right you know mm-hmm. if you go and slag off you know any city or any country yeah. they're not gonna like you right? this guy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. unless you're like a bill burr and you can just go up and do like a oh, minute rant about how in pennsylvania <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that was oh, epic yeah. dude oh, yeah. Man, yeah that was good bill burr one of my favorites i, I went to school in boston so oh really cool yeah, yeah i grew so. up in uh, vermont uh, and i lived in boston for three years oh excellent no, yeah. i just went there for for college and i worked there for a little bit I was there for eight years uh went to northeastern Won the uh, won the bean pot. Yeah, we did. That's the first time, right? For like a <laughs> yeah. like a decade or something, right? Yeah, it's like been a while. It's been a, it's been a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, it, was, it was a big deal. Congrats to you guys. On thank, that, you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, how'd you get started in comedy? I started uh, uh, I started here in in Taiwan actually. Um, I was living in Kaohsiung, and uh, a buddy of mine was starting an open mic night uh, at a bar in Kaohsiung called Black Dog. Shout out to Black Dog in Kaohsiung, uh, and. I was unemployed at the time. I just arrived back in Taiwan. I was on my, you know, I was, I was trying to find work. And my buddy was like, come out. Uh, I heard you like to tell jokes. Like, come on out and try it. And uh, I went out. And I told him, I was like, no, you know what, man? Like, I'm going to show up for the first one and I'll watch. Because, you know, I'm too nervous to jump up the first time. I want to I check it out. And he wrote me back this long text uh, that was like, come, basically like, suck it up he's like everyone says that and you're gonna feel just as scared the next week they say they want to watch and then you'll watch and you'll be just as scared the next time we do it do it your first time the audience will give you the benefit of the doubt it'll be the best i was like okay so i sucked it up and you know had this open mic night and i gave it a try and i think i did like i thought i had five minutes i think i did two minutes i got one laugh the entire time and i stepped off stage and i was like i'm never not doing this again <laughs> well, first, i stepped on my story first i showed up and at, i showed up at the bar for the open mic i'm like okay cool when am i on he's like you're on after me i'm like wow i'm opening he's like no you're the only other comic <laughs> it's just you and me <laughs> sign up for my open mic night it was just the two of us going yeah so i think he opened with like 10 i did my two he did 10 more minutes and we're like all right someone play music <laughs> we're, yeah. gonna, we're done the comedy's done yeah, yeah. Let's, let's wrap it up but i was hooked from there and so um you know he had a, a van that used to go down uh, and take surfing we go down you know living in gaoshan go down the east coast and surf all the time so we took out his surfboards and we put my buddy made us a stage uh he had a wood shop in gaoshan uh and we'd and we put the stage in the van and we would just drive all around the island and find we'd just go on facebook and find, hey, like, you know, someone from Taijiang before I knew Matt, like, what's the best foreigner bar in Taijiang? And we'd send them a message, hey, this is what we do. We'll do a show. Like, can you let us come in, like, do some, t- tell some jokes? Uh, and that was how we did it for, like, uh, about a year. And that was K-Hole? Uh, that was K-Hole Comedy, yeah. Mm. K-Hole Comedy. My buddy's now in New York, uh, Rob Stocky. Uh, he's basically living full-time at a comedy club. And uh, he, he says he gets up 60 to 70 times a month. Just living the dream, man. Yeah. Wow. He says he's broke as hell, but he's loving it, man. He's loving it. <laughs> That's he's part of the it. dream. That's part of the dream, man. Yeah, yeah. He, was, yeah he was grinding from day one. and uh, So keep it, keep an eye out for Rob Stocky. He's hilarious, man. So, Rob Stocky? Yeah, Rob okay. Stocky. Yeah. yeah, a lot of people don't know that like comedy is a grind. You have to really put the work in, and you have to take a lot of shit. Right, and it's not just like oh, like you know, no, nobody laughing at my jokes. It's like you really need a thick skin yeah. to, I guess, persevere mm-hmm. and oh, and yeah. to get somewhere in, I guess, in this uh, profession and stuff. Um, There's no worse feeling than stepping off the stage, going, "Man, I just bombed that set." And actually, mm-hmm. we had a show where I bombed. Um, I was it was in Shinju, 
<laughs> and I was downstairs, and I just kind of wanted to stay away from everyone. And Luke Giorgio, who's one of the other comedians who performed, he comes downstairs and he goes, what the hell happened? <laughs> I was like, thank you. I was like, I actually needed someone to actually tell me that I did a bad job because yeah. sometimes you walk off and people are like, you did good. And it's like, no. Yeah, the audience is always nice, right? Like, oh, yeah. like, nice. Uh, like, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I bombed at I bombed this open mic. Uh, I was up first. I bombed this open mic. I, I bombed so hard in front of a bunch of new people. And I was trying old stuff and I was like, I didn't even get it. I was like, why is this bombing? Why is this not working? And so I go out, but like I bombed before. I'm like, come on, Sam. Like you, 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 you've evolved paths. This, all right. You're not gonna let this. I'm not gonna let this destroy my night. Okay. Like I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna order a beer. And I'm gonna watch the other comics and see if I can like tag one of their jokes. Like help them out. Like with some new idea. I'm, I'm gonna make something out tonight. It's nice mm-hmm. to be. Pre- so I gave myself this pep talk. I go back in. I'm at the bar waiting for my beer, and this, this girl walks up to me, and she goes, "Hey, like that, that was that was pretty good." And I was like, "Thanks. I thought it was a little rough, but like appreciate it." She's like. So was that your first time? And I was like, all right, I need three more beers right <laughs> now. Immediately the headspace just yeah just spirals off immediately. Oh, like, no. oh god, yeah, no, yeah, that's rough. Nights of nights of waste. Uh, yeah. So are the comics close in this uh, in the Taiwan circuit? For the, the most part, yeah. I think. Yeah. I mean, we. I know a lot of the people. I, I do a lot more improv, and the improv group is really close. And yeah, you know, the stand up group seems pretty close as well. Um, I'm sort of out of that group a little bit more now that I do improv, but yeah. it it seems like they've always been pretty close and knew each other and helped each other. And, Definitely, um, yeah. I think the the, the um, I mean, we see each other almost you know every Monday night, um, you know, at the shows on Saturday and stuff like that. We're, we're talking to each other, we're helping each other out. You know, people are pretty good about like you know trying to like, hey, you did that better last time, or hey, maybe this time you could you could try this. Give each other like little tags or try to improve. It's all about trying to the best feeling. I think. You would think the best feeling is like when you kill, when you go up and you have a great set. But I think the best feeling is like at the end of a night when you're part of a great show. When yes, everyone's yeah. killing from start to finish. And it's just like – and people are like, wow, like that was that was an awesome night. That was a great show. And so if you have that goal in mind, you know, like it's not as team-oriented as improv. It never will be because improv, you really rely on each other so much. But if we can – have some of that sense of community about, you know, like if the show, this is going to make the show better, you know, yeah. then you got to like everyone chip in, everyone jump on, do that. And these, and kids are great about that, man. Some of these guys, my comics will come out and run sound, even if they're not in the lineup, you know, they'll come out and help, um, you know, help up at, upstairs at the bar, even when they're not doing jokes and it's all volunteer and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a cool community, man. It's really good. And I encourage anyone who's interested in, uh, in trying it out and, and seeing what's about, come out. You know, Monday night, every Monday at nine thirty is open mic. It's free. Uh, you show up. There's a piece of paper at the front. You sign your name. You get five minutes. Um, if you don't feel like doing five, you can do two, three. It's fine. It's no, it's no worries. We'll tell everyone it's your first time. Uh, and and come out and check it out. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. How big? Uh, how many? How many comics are there? Uh, at a typical open mic? Uh, yeah. Uh, recently, it's been just jam, man. It's been it's been it's been popping off recently. Um, we had seventeen at the last two open mics. Uh, normally, we try to cap it at fifteen, but then throughout the course of the night, a couple of people are like, "Hey, I want to try this." So we'll we'll cut after the first twelve. We'll go down to three minute spots. My goal is we start late. It's nine thirty, right? That's late. So we're down in Gongguan. I try to get everyone home by the MRT time. So we wrap it up by like eleven, eleven fifteen. Mm. Um, so we you know keep it tight. Comics going up and down. But uh, yeah, about seventeen comics or so. The shows will be less, obviously, because those. If you go to the show, that's your that's curated, right? He's, he's not expected to try new material. Those are jokes that they've worked out and uh, mm. are, are there to perform specifically. So that might be like six or seven people on a show. But the open mic, yes, yeah, just whoever's there to show up. And so 15 to 17 comics. We've had about 20 to 30 audience at all these ones. So it's, it's, it's fun. How many audience members are there? Uh, at the open mics recently, it's been 20 to 30, man. But it, it definitely varies week to week and by the, and by the season, too. We get okay. killed in the summer, man. 
because I'm so happy Game of Thrones is not on anymore. I'm so happy. Game of Thrones. Oh, on Mondays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday night, but of course, English teachers are too. They're not waking up Monday morning to watch that. They're waiting to the end of the day Monday, (laughs) and they're having these big viewing parties. And Mm -hmm. I'd be like, I'd be at the open mic. I'm like, there's four people here. Like, what's going on? (laughs) Everyone's just yeah, just cursing Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game of Thrones. Yeah, and I'm missing Game of Thrones to host this. Like, yeah, so yeah, it was double. I got yeah, got hurt double there. So yeah, so it definitely varies by the season, but it's been you know the overall plot has been has been heading up has been ticking upwards how about the shows when do you when do the shows happen is like once a month or once a yeah week? we try to do a uh, we try to do a monthly show uh we've had a it's been consistent for the past year it's called craft comedy craft is that a beer bar you know so there you go um uh, occasionally um if we have uh someone who's who's capable of going up and doing a headline spot we do a, a show called spotlight comedy um so uh, and then all that information about the show specifically, you can check out the two three comedy page on Facebook. Um, but yeah, normally there's at least one monthly show at that at that venue, um, the twenty three public, the the beer bar in Gongguan. Okay. And then uh, and then yeah, then our next uh, our next really big show. Really excited. This uh, comic named Ed Hill. Uh, Ed Hill was born in Taipei, Taiwanese comic. He lives in Vancouver. He's a headliner there now, and he's coming in and he's doing uh, a series of shows. Uh, from Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Friday night, will be in Taichung at the Laugh House on May 24th. And May 25th, at Ulumulu Out West in Shiman, we're going to have him there. Uh, and we'll be selling tickets on 2-3 through AccuPass there. Okay. How many spots uh, around Taiwan, I guess in Taiwan, like, host comedy shows, you know? Because you just, uh, me- you just yeah. mentioned, like, Ulumulu <clears throat> Out West. This restaurant, I had no idea that they would host a, a comedy yeah. show, you know. So. Well, they have a really big capacity there. So when we have, like, um, uh, last year a comic named Jason Cheney, also Taiwanese uh, comedian, came over. We were able to sell about, like, 150 tickets for him. They have a, a big space uh, where we wouldn't be able to do that in our normal venue. Our normal uh, bar venue is, is much smaller, right? So, um, so yeah, the, in, in Taipei, there's probably, like, probably four to five different locations that have consistently hosted uh, shows at different different times. Yeah. In Taichung, I could think of two. There's Frog, the Frog Restaurant, and then the the Comedy Club down there. Mm-hmm. Um, Shinju has one at yeah. Mary Cafe. Yeah. Most of the other cities in Taiwan have about one, yeah. uh, one place that's consistently like hosted the shows. Um, uh, and that that's all across. We've done shows in Dolio, Zhongli, done shows in, uh, in Jai, uh, Tainan, Kaohsiung, yeah. Taidong. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Yo, yeah, <laughs> traveling. Got that East Coast show. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Dang. Shout out to Sugar Factory, Highway Eleven Brewing. Yeah, right. <laughs> hitting everywhere. Either you guys uh, performed overseas or like outside of Taiwan, not not from like you know from your hometown or something. We've we both done Hong Kong. I did improv in Hong Kong, and then you were at the comedy festival, weren't you? Yeah, I've been fortunate enough. The last two years, I was a finalist in the uh, Hong Kong International Comedy Festival, and uh, this year, what is that? Uh, that's so. That's probably the largest regional comedy festival. So, thirty comics come in. Uh, you have ten comics each for three nights as judges, and they vote the top three from each night. And those top three all go back. The final nine compete uh, a week later for. Uh, uh, there's a cash prize for the top three. Uh, so I've made the finals the last two years outside of the top three, both of those years. But um, you know, first three in my in my prelim nights, uh, and then I, fi- I was finalist in the Shanghai Comedy Festival as well, and the um, uh, Bangkok International Comedy Festival. So those are similar things. About thirty comics uh, going on to the finals there, uh, and Takeout Comedy in Hong Kong brought me back to do a headline spot in February. So I just headlined uh, Takeout Comedy, and just this July I'm headlining Comedy Masala in Singapore. Um, so those are my first two like personal, like international headlining uh, gigs. I've done the uh, improv festival in Hong Kong at Takeout Comedy as well. 
So that's a, a, my only experience outside of Taiwan or America where I've performed. Let's talk about headlining. What does that entail? Being a headliner. Well, headlining be um, you, so the headliner is the last comic to go up of the night uh, and is generally expected to do a, a larger chunk of material. Um, uh, for the regional headlining shows, 25 minutes seems to be the minimum, but it can go anywhere up to 25 minutes to an hour, uh, depending on the venue and how much time they want you to do. And uh, if you're headlining regionally, the expectation is that you know you're you're, you're being you're being paid to go in, you know, like whether they're covering airfare or, or just a per diem or something like that. So it's a. Uh, um, whereas if you go a year ago, I was going to Singapore and, and doing feature spots, which would be like a 15 minute spot before the headliner, or opening doing like a seven or eight minute spot before. Those would be like more like pop in. They might they might toss you a few bucks the day of, but like no one's covering your transportation or anything like that. You know, you're expected to just hey, it's good if you're here, you can jump on and and, and do that. Um, so headlining is kind of like the is like kind of the goal, the next step where you actually, you know, um, at least not losing money, <laughs> if, not, if not making money, at least you're getting your expenses covered and your and your transportation covered. So Knock on wood. <laughs> breaking even in comedy in Asia is, is making it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah, that means you're, you're golden if you're okay. breaking even. And how long did it take you to get to that point? Uh, about uh, two and a half years. Yeah, my first exposure doing international was uh was the first time i did the hong kong festival and i went there i had never performed abroad um and and those times you have a seven minute set so there's 10 comics and my only goal was just to go in there and not be obviously the worst <laughs> that was my only goal because uh, it was the first time a comic from taiwan had done this festival and and I, I didn't know what to expect from these guys like i'd you know i'd seen some of them on youtube they're they're really really funny uh, I went out. I had probably my best set to date at that point. I, I finished third in my prelim, which is skin of your teeth making the finals. Just you know, the last last one through the door. Uh, so I couldn't have been more excited. I was amazed that I got to go back, and then um, and then I got to fly back and, and do the finals, which is the first time performing in a theater, um, a much larger audience than I'd ever done before. So um, it was yeah, just a fantastic experience. But that introduced me to a lot of the other people who were hosting shows regionally because they were all at that festival. So I met the guys from Shanghai, the guys from Thailand, uh, and then you know started applying to their festivals. And uh, when I was there, being asked to do feature spots. And then finally, having gone back to Hong Kong again and, and made the finals two years in a row was when I started to get offers to, to headline. Okay, yeah. So you just got to work your way up. Just got to grind. Yeah, just make connections, you know, meet the right people, and uh, and, and hopefully do well. It's it's not an easy process anywhere. <laughs> I mean, people mm. people watch Chris Rock or they watch you know, the, Jeff Dunham or whoever's big in comedy, and they just think it's like, oh, you just get up there and you do this thing, and it just kind of happens. It's it's nights of just so much work. There's there's a lot of writing involved. There's a lot of editing and editing editing involved. Excuse me, and you get down to where you're like, I have this funny idea, but I just can't make it work. Do I keep it? and fix it do i drop it and you know do i try something else and it's the amount of work that goes into stand-up comedy is insane compared to what people think it is let's talk about improv now uh so matt you are heavier in the improv scene nowadays uh, yes. could you talk a little bit about the improv scene yeah when i first came here i started doing the stand-up shows and i found an ad on forumosa.com um I, saying yeah just with one of the posts the myspace of taiwan exactly we can't get sued for saying that can we um, but they there was a improv practice going on and i thought well i do stand-up comedy i could definitely do improv you know i could have this uppity attitude about it at first mm-hmm. um and i went there and it was it was in taichung and it was just way up in the hills the taxi driver got lost he had to keep driving back and forth up this dirt road until we finally found the place. Um, 
and it was in this barn and I managed to make it for the last half hour of practice. And we, I absolutely loved it and we kept going back. And so the group of us, we decided to start an improv group and perform and we called it during, right before our first show, we we're like, what do we call ourselves? And we finally just were like, let's call ourselves Taichung Improv. Like so unoriginal, you know, <laughs> but that's what we were. So, um, Taichung Improv ran for many years, um, as an improv group. And, uh, we, we started doing what we call short form improv, which is we'll go up on, you know, we'll kind of have these games that we do. Like maybe the audience wrote down sentences and we have to pick the sentence up and read it. Or maybe we, um, can only talk in questions or there's some gimmick to the game and we'll ask the audience for a suggestion. Then we'll take that suggestion and make like a three to five minute scene about it. And then we move on to the next one and the next one and the next one. Um, then we started to do long form improv, which is we'll get a suggestion and then we have to make a 30 minute play off of that one suggestion. Um, so that, that went on for a while. Um, the Taichung improv group just sort of split into two groups and then, now I work with a group called Skits and Giggles, and um, we've just started about a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, doing shows down in Taichung, and um, it's a, it still has some of the Taichung improv people, but it has a whole new, fresh group of people as well that got into it right when we started, so that they sort of started from the ground up and built their way up. The hard part with improv in Taiwan is, with stand-up, if one of the stand-up comedians leaves you've still kind of got your set and you still kind of have your, you know, you're, you're doing your thing. Next man up. Yeah. Yeah. When like, or, or woman, sorry. Yeah. When, when people leave an improv, suddenly your whole group dynamic has changed. And we've had times where we've had a successful run of two years with the same core group. And then like all of that group just leaves. And then we're just left with like two people from the group and just having to build that up again. Yeah. So how big is the improv scene here though? Um, how um, many like groups are here and, there was a group down in Kaohsiung a while ago, but they seem to not be around anymore. Republic of Comedy. There was a... Their Republic there, of Comedy, there, too? Well, there was a, yeah, there, there was a stand-up group called Republic of Comedy also. So it got confusing for a while. Yeah, that's a headache. Um, yeah. But there was uh, there was that group. There, Taichung Improv has been around since 2008, probably. It's going in about 10 years now. Um, and so we'll... It, like in the peak of our season, we'll do like a show a month. We've drawn as many as like 150 or 200 people into a bar for a show. Uh, so the, the crowds are fantastic. The scenes, as far as like who's performing, I think that's mostly in Taichung. I don't think the Taipei group does much anymore. No, but since Meg left, uh, the, the Taipei improv has been a lot slower though. There is a, uh, uh, a woman here named uh, Rowena, uh, Rowena Lair, I might be mangling her last name, and she's starting up a, a new improv group. I believe they practice on Wednesdays at Red Room. They might have moved that around, but if you look up Taipei Improv on Facebook, uh, if you're interested in, in doing some improv, there is a little group, and they're trying to get going. And we're looking to do uh, some of the most fun shows that we've done in the last year uh, at Laugh House have been these mashup, these stand-up improv mashup shows. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah, these improv guys are wild, man. I can't do that. I, I, I need my jokes written down. You know, I need to know what, <laughs> what I'm saying. I go in there, and so what we'll do is we'll do like a set for like 15 minutes of stand-up and then they'll take like our set and they'll do uh like a, an improvised play basically based off of it incorporate and the way they like manage to hit and incorporate our jokes is it's it's incredible man what they what they can do just off the top and those shows are super fun those shows have been a lot of fun uh we've had a lot of success and i'd love to get that going in taipei as well and have that be something that you could see up here i'll come fun. up for that yeah that'd be cool man we gotta do it yeah but i think like the theme that i'm hearing is just like you guys 
your, this passion. Yeah. yeah, that you guys but have for it, just you know, just it's, moving it along. It's cost me a lot of money. My wife is not happy about that, but it's cost me a lot of money mm-hmm. to do this. And I mean, but it's been worth it. It's it's like anything else you love doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, the shows if you save that the money up, it kind of pays for itself. But you know, with between we used to do posters and flyers and stuff like that. You know, uh, the money just goes into so much other stuff that you don't even think about that. Eventually, you just kind of go. All right, there's, there's nothing yeah. left. Let's just keep going, though. Yeah, yeah. That's no, yeah. It's all about. I mean, it's all about putting on a good show and 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 uh, and and building the scene and being entertaining. Like you know, like I came along obviously after Matt had been here. So like, kind of what two three is is definitely like a, a little bit of a different generation. But it's not my generation that's going to be doing it. It's the kids. Like I said, it's the Taiwanese kids who are like 19 and 20 now, who like grew up watching you know Chappelle Chappelle show Chappelle's the best and like yeah. yeah and like watching his clips on YouTube tra- with the Chinese subtitles and then they like and then they like wait I can do this here in Taipei and now they're like you know their energy and their passion they're mm-hmm. gonna be the ones who like eventually break through and, yeah. and, and put Taipei on the map for and they're dropping out of college uh, dropping out of high school school to, to, to do this yeah. full time to be for, to, let me be clear I didn't recommend that to any of these kids right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. whoever's listening don't, don't do that don't do that don't <laughs> yeah. do that but yeah no, the, I know of at least uh, of at least one of our performers who uh, like took some time off from school specifically because he wanted to focus on uh, on getting better as a stand up and doing it and, uh, and uh, he's out there grinding every night so so it's fun. Yeah. And uh, do you think that's a viable profession now, now that it's like progressed so much here? Uh, Brian Sung's making a living off it, man. That kid is like, <laughs> I mean, if you can get your videos to go viral like, like, like that kid, he's been so good about it, man. He's so smart. Uh, he's, kept, he's kept so humble about all the attention he's got. And he's, uh, there's a great story from him. So he did this joke, as in, uh, it was in Mandarin, about um, how when you go to the tea shop, every, you know, the tea, the only sizes they have is large and medium, right? And he's like, you know, that's like, it's not me. If you don't have a small, that's not medium. You know, that's your small size. And, it's, and, and, and he had this like line. It was like, I guess that's why you have to work at a tea shop, you know, blah, blah, blah. A little bit mean, a little bit of a dig, right? And uh, it's probably funnier in Chinese too. I'm, 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 stepping on, I'm stepping on it right now. But like, you can't tell other people's jokes. It never works. But basically, yeah. like, the, he got this backlash. All these people are like, you shouldn't say that about people. Like, that's really rude. Like, taking a tea. And he came out and he was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. So, what I'd like to do is I'm going to go work at a tea shop for a day. And so, Mr. Wish and Tai Jung brought him on, in for a day. And he's like, if you come up to me and if you insult me to my face, if you make me feel bad, I will buy you a free tea that day. And so he brings a video camera down. He films the whole thing. He works there. And of course, the tea shop immediately gives him like 30 orders that he can't keep up with. Just be like, oh, yeah, not so easy now, is it, huh? Yeah, Yeah, you know, just like ragging on him. Uh, And he got this great content out of it. And he like apologized and was like, and he just, that's an example of just how he's handled the attention so well. I think he's been so smart with it. So it's very uh, savvy. Yeah. He's very, very sharp. And he's like, and he's legit, just a really, really good kid. Yeah. So it's, it's great to see someone like that making it in the scene. You're like, that's an awesome model to follow, man. If you can do, like if you can do what Brian's doing, like good on you, man. Good on you. Okay. But if you're getting into it to become famous, don't. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You're, you're, you have to get into it because you love it, and then because you love it, you become famous. And that's mm. not advice from me, who's famous. That's advice from all my friends that I know who are in it and are famous. It's yeah. you know if because you're going to feel terrible when you bomb, you're going to feel you know horrible when you bomb, and then you just got to get back up there and do it again. And you have to do it again just because yeah. you love it. Yeah, come yeah. on a Monday night in July during Game of Thrones season, and then if you still if you still love it after that, then maybe yeah. it's for you. Maybe still get a rush. Yeah. You still get that rush in front of like three people checking their phones. Yeah, yeah. then yeah, then yeah. trying to figure out what you said on Google Translate. Yeah, yeah, looking at yeah. It like oh, I thought this was the Chinese yeah. one. Oh, goddamn, yeah. One of my first shows in Taiwan was like that. I had uh, I gone up to do a show. For, I lived in Chiang Mai, 
took the train up to Taipei. The train was an hour and a half late, and it was just an open mic in a bar. And I got there, and basically everyone had left except for a bunch of Taiwanese people sitting around drinking beer that just came to the drink beer. They weren't there yeah. for a show. They spoke no English, and I had to get up and do this comedy show. And um, I was really doing it just so I could get onto other shows because the person who was booking for other shows was there. And thank God I'm a ventriloquist because I I have a puppet dog. Uh, I started telling my jokes. The guy who was booking the show was laughing. But then the audience was just kind of looking at me like, why is this guy talking to the microphone? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. So I just kind of jumped down there with the dog and just kind of messed around with the people and they all enjoyed that. And I was like, all right, good. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this finally. But mm-hmm. What's the worst show you've done? Is that Would that be up there? For the, the... No, the, the absolute positive. I'll, I'll give you two of the worst shows I've done. The okay. first one was the first one I've ever done as far as a stand-up comedian because I, I got into ventriloquism because I teach children mm-hmm. and I wanted to work with them. So I was working, um, I, I was I was living in Cincinnati, and a friend of a friend, I was at his apartment, this friend of a friend's apartment, and he has this really nice apartment. He said, yeah, my dad, who's this regional manager for some pharmacy, I forget which one, but he he's holding a, ho- uh, a Christmas party here. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm a ventriloquist. I should come by and do something. <laughs> it's like, all right, well, I couldn't just bring my kids' material. So I wrote a bunch of stuff, and just tried it out on stage and it was just absolutely positively the most embarrassing experience of my life. And I go out to my car and I'm feeling bad. And I call my girlfriend at the time who we were already not getting along very well, but she's like, man, I just had the worst show. And that's when she decided to break up with me. <laughs> so I said, all right, that's why I was like, all right, I've got to actually learn how to do this stand-up comedy. So I took a comedy class, but the worst yeah, I show. I don't think I'm funny. Yeah. You're yeah. also not in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, the worst show I ever had. She must've gotten a tape of it really quickly or something. Yeah, just heard. Yeah. Yeah. Word travels fast. You got it. was on my space. You see him. You don't want to be with that. Yeah. yeah. That's rough. (laughs) (laughs) The worst actual show I ever did was was at the Taipei Comedy Club, and I was emceeing. And there was a group of drunk South Africans. It was at Table 9. (laughs) It was kind of a running joke with the comedians. But they were just yelling over everyone's set and just, like, you know, almost even starting arguments with the other people in the bar. And I was the emcee, and I was trying to get this under control. (laughs) This was in Taiwan. This was in Taiwan. Does that happen often? No. People just like ruining your set or like just being no. rude like that? I mean, I'll get hecklers Rarely. sometimes, but th- I mean, the, the hecklers tend to be more good natured. They're just shouting out something fun. These guys were kind of, I think they were drunk and they were just out to ruin kind of the show, you know, or have mm-hmm. their own good time. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I, I finally, like, the whole, everyone in the audience is asking me to, you know, kind of put a stop to this. So I try my normal stuff that I do. Um, and then I, you know, I look at the owner of the club. I'm like, I'm sorry, these guys have got to go. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, it, it, like everyone sort of fr- now back in America. If you tell the, if you're on stage and you're like, sorry, you got to go, you know, then the security comes. It didn't happen in Taiwan. Just everyone kind of stopped and looked around. And it's like, oh, here's this guy on stage throwing out this <laughs> table now. Yeah. Um, and I just looked like a 
dumb idiot who couldn't control anything. But that's even worse when you have a puppet with you. <laughs> because, uh. you know, if you're funny with a puppet, it's great. If you're funny, if you're not funny and you're just a guy up on stage holding a puppet and you're not funny, it's absolutely terrible. I never thought about that. Yeah, bombing with a puppet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, Come on, man. Yeah. Bring Say it up, something dude. funny. Mm. Got to tell you my, my worst gig yeah, real please, quick. Real please. Quick one. So, uh, we were brought in, um, a couple of our, our local comics here were brought in by the British Chamber of Commerce to go do a show at their annual budget meeting. Um, so it's always a dude, fun place for what? a show. Just a natural venue for comedy. So yeah. we go in, uh, we go in there and, uh, and we see the itinerary and we are at the, uh, we are at the end of the, of the proceedings. So it's literally a hour and a half presentation of their budget and charity proceedings. So like, you know, great update on, you know, our donations to the Aboriginal group over in Taidong and, you know, this is great and all our budget here and like they're cracking little jokes, like budget jokes in their meeting but like, and they're always like, oh, well, we'll save the jokes, you know, we have, we have some professionals coming up later so I don't want to, meanwhile, there's an open bar in the back but like no one's going because they're all like they're british they're all watching the budget meeting you know they're all yeah. and so no one's had any drinks or anything like that and they've the caterers have come in and set up the food all around and now it's like 8 p.m. and no one's eating dinner and there's like a roast beef carving station and you can just smell like the roast beef and like all the food is there um but like you know no one can eat until after the comedy you know so we're at the end of this hour and a half budget meeting and they're like all right guys well now we're going to introduce our comedians for the night and they come on up and so we we send out one after the other and it just becomes so obvious after five minutes that none of these comics have ever done a show outside of a bar because we're all just doing <laughs> stuff like you know you when you're with a girl and she's like yeah. and this, it's like 50 old british guys are like no we don't know no, yeah, yeah. we've, we've forgotten we have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. it's just uh 15 minutes of people just visibly staring at food like waiting to eat and then we had to stick around afterwards and like you know hang out and like they we had one little stand-up table and they avoided it like we had like the plague you know yeah. it's just like it was just the most awkward feeling and i felt bad for um you know the gentleman who who brought us in because we definitely it was not our crowd and we definitely did not adjust the material properly to do that but yeah we might have lost all future opportunities with the british chamber of commerce so, no wonder yeah. they haven't returned my calls yeah that's it man maybe ventriloquy is more up their alley i don't know i was trying crowd but it was nothing was working yeah, yeah. <laughs> was working. man that yeah. sounds pretty rough. It was dude. brutal. It yeah, was brutal. Yeah, that was yeah. a bad one. Yeah, like like when your set is so bad that it might like affect diplomatic relations. That's a bad set. That's a bad. <laughs> that's a bad show. That's a bad one. Yeah, man. Thank you to Matt Bronsel and Sam Yarb for coming on to the show. Uh, they covered a lot of upcoming events um, during our discussion. So here they are again for your ease of listening. Big one. Uh, check out uh, the 2-3 Comedy Facebook page. we got two big shows coming up. Uh, Friday, May 24th in Taichung. We have Ed Hill Live. And then Saturday at Ulumulu Out West here in Taipei. Ed Hill, a uh, headline comedian from Vancouver, originally born in Taiwan. The, definitely the, the funniest show you'll see this year. So uh, check that out. Uh, tickets are going to be uh, available for pre-sale through our website, 2-3 Comedy uh, Facebook page. For me, uh, I encourage you to check out Skits and Giggles Improv. It's an improv group in Taichung. And we have open practices regularly. Just come on out and enjoy yourself. You don't even have to perform. Just come on out and you know try it out. Also, um, there's a new stand-up comedy video that's out online um, about the history of st- the beginning of stand-up comedy in Taiwan. So if you check out on Facebook, check out Standing Up in Taiwan, and you'll be able to see the video there. That was this week's Taiwan Talk. Thank you for listening. I'm Alex Lewis.